and protect the overseer of this ministry. And, Father, also continue to give him favor with whoever he needs favor with for his family, this ministry, and himself. And, Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Before actually we go into um, the message, there are like a couple of praise items I wanted to share with this team this morning as an encouragement for you. Um, you know, and then I will put this line on mute and then we will talk. <laughs> um, the, the thing is last weekend, remember uh, I had a chance to um, write after this service um, uh, you know, we were um, in in that um, church in Bishop Ruel, uh Mission ch- uh, Me- Memorial Chapel, right? And uh, it was just like uh, amazing how God just like worked many of the things um, for that family um, during that, um, you know, uh, last six to eight months. But that morning, um, that church raised, um, you know, money. Um, you know, at the end of the service. And uh, we decided to give it to the family. At that point, we did not even know that she didn't have money to pay for the funeral expenses. But she still came from Savannah, Georgia to Bishop Law. She had no expectation, but she showed up at that church not knowing that money that was raised that morning will cover for that funeral expense. Hallelujah. The reason why I'm saying that is like I don't know I don't know what you are going through this morning. I'm here to encourage you. God knows your heart. God knows exactly what you're going through. God will never leave you nor forsake you. God has you know, you on the palm of his hands. Your face is actually, you know, tattooed in his hands. He looks at your face and my face all the time, and nothing that we do, you know, is is just like a far from him to reach, you know. And uh, and the second thing I wanted to say is this: this week, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, I I might have told a little bit about this earlier too. The 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 prison system in South Carolina has reduced their cost for their families to have a FaceTime with the children, um, you know, and their families, right, from inside the prison. It was 29 cents or something like that before. Now it's like a $10. For $10, they will get like a, a 50 minutes of a FaceTime with their families. It's for nearly $10, you know. So we made an appeal because, you know, the director of SCDC was also thinking it's a great idea to support these families. So... Oh, you know, we made an appeal on Friday, and uh, by God's grace, by the end of the day on Friday, we were able to raise for 150 families an ability to have a 50 minutes of face time with their families. Isn't that amazing? God is a, such a great God. I mean, there is like a, you know, the, the later today, I'm going to be, you know, God knows what the needs are, and he will provide. He's the provider. He's the greatest provider that we have. 
than mm-hmm. anyone else. He's the biggest advocate that we have than anyone else can have, you know? Mm-hmm. With that said, let's go into the word. I'm going to mute this. The conference has been muted. All right. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Um, as we continue to work this, um, you know, verses uh, from Exodus, um, we've seen a couple of things. There are a lot of times I've heard like a pastor's come from outside the tabernacle into the Holy of Holies. Um, Ms. Sarah or Ms. Vince, one of you is not muted. Um, so as the, uh, a lot of the pastors would come from outside inside to, to inside to the Holy of Holies, we actually are taking the opposite direction. It doesn't matter how we go because it's all the Word of God, right? Um, and the thing is that we've seen so far the mercy seat. We have seen so far the Ark of the Covenant. We actually took a little bit of time to look at the, each individual items inside the Ark of the Covenant. We talked about like the, the Ten Commandments, the tablets that's sitting in there, and the bowl of manna that is sitting in there. And we saw Aaron's rod that just like a bloomed overnight. Uh, you know, what would have taken like a 12 to 25 years happened overnight. That's the God we serve. He is the God of impossible. And those are the things that were inside that box. Right? And then now we've finished looking at each of those elements. Now we are coming to from the Holy of Holies. There is a veil that separates the Holy of Holies to the holy place. So imagine this. There is a big, you know, yard, and that yard has a building inside. So this is the building inside the yard, right? So it has two compartments, two rooms. The, the first room inside, the, 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 at the very end, the first room inside is the Holy of Holies. And now we are coming through the veil that we have already seen like when Jesus died on the cross, that veil is the one which is just like torn down into half. Now we are coming to the next room right outside the Holy of Holies. This place is called the Holy Place. And, and the thing is this, this Holy Place has some furnitures in there. There are three furnitures in this Holy Place. There are two furnitures inside inside the Holy of Holies, that mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant. And then when we come into this room, we see three objects, three furnitures. In, in, in one of those furnitures um, is, um, is, a, is a table, uh, you know, that's uh, with the showbread. And then uh, we have like the light on the south side, and we have a bowl of incense. So um, as we are going to go into it today, we're just going to look at, you know, the showbread um, that's in the table uh, in the north side, um, and we will go read what the word says about it. But before that, I wanted to also say next week, it's going to be a little bit of a a change that we're going to do. We will start our service at 8.30 just like how we are doing today. 
But what we will do next week is this. I'm going to tag team with Miss Katina. So we're going to actually preach together. Uh, she's going to do uh, the one half, and I'm going to do one half. So um, uh, we're going to share, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm excited to see how God's going to work that message, and then Vince will bring the plane to the landing at the end. So today, with that said, we will go into the Word. Uh, Exodus chapter 25, verses 23 to 29. Exodus chapter 25, verses 23 to 29. All right. This one is talking about the showbread, the table for the showbread. You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length. A cubit its width and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold all around. You shall make for, for it a frame of handbread all around and you shall make a gold molding of the frame all around. And you shall make for it four rings of gold and put the ring on four corners that are at the four legs. The ring shall also shall be close to the frame as holders of the pole of, uh, poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, that the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, and its bowl for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Praise the Lord. So this is all about the bread that we're going to be seeing today. And uh, I was researching to see what else is going on that I can actually use as like a prop from this message, right? And I ran into this uh, article that said there is a bread that the archaeologists have found, right? And uh, um, when I read that one, oh, really? So I'm starting to read, and then, then this is how it goes. There was a big eruption, uh, a volcanic eruption that happened in Mount Vesuvius, right, which is considered to be one of the, uh, you know, greatest natural catastrophes of this ancient world. Several cities in the Bay of Naples were covered in ashes and rock. And it, 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 everything else, it, somebody, if you are looking for like a, what all happened, um, there is like a short movies and short films and uh, actual movies on Pompeii. 
uh, is out there. But it all happened on AD 79. So you might ask, like, how does it apply today, Cyril? Right? But here's what happened. A baker put a loaf of bread into the oven. He didn't know at that point. He just like a put, uh, uh, you know, on that particular day, put like uh, all the, um, you know, ingredients, and he put that into that oven. And right when he was doing it, right, in a town called Herculaneum, right, and this happened, imagine, 2,000 years ago, right? And right after he put it in, the bread was baking, and that's when the violent eruption that they're talking about happened. And that whole town, everything was just like a, covered with ashes and stones and rocks, right? Now, after 2,000 years later, when the people went in and like a dig through the archaeologists, they found that bread that was sent in for baking 2,000 years ago. And the thing is, they could not believe that this bread is still alive underneath that, you know, the charcoal, it was preserved, it was covered with ashes, but the texture and the shape looking like they came out of the oven now. In fact, the, there is a museum in, uh, in England, it is now carrying that bread. And not only that, they actually hired an Italian baker uh, there's a British museum that has it, but the Italian breaker, baker was brought in. They gave the exact same ingredients, and so he can go and figure out if he can make the bread that can last for 2,000 years. I don't know what the use of it, but here's what the, the story goes. The, that particular story has got so many YouTube videos. I cannot even believe how people were fascinated um, by this bread that has lived for over 2,000 years. They're talking about like a, a bread that was just like a found underneath a charcoal and ashes. What we are talking about today is a bread or, of life. When we talk about the showbread, it is very clear from all the things that we are reading from the beginning, God is saying, make every one of these furnitures with acacia wood, right? Acacia wood, the wood represents the Christ that died on that rugged cross. And then on top of that acacia wood, they want to overlay them with a pure gold that signifies the kingdom, the magnificence of the king, Jesus Christ is represented in both the human form and also in the form of a king in that furnitures that God is talking about. He is both the carrier of our sins and also the justifier of our sins. Isn't that amazing? Right? When we read that chapter, 
The verses that we read in Exodus chapter 25, 23 to 29, it's talking about two things, actually. It's talking about the table, and it's talking about the bread. You have to have some furnish, furnish uh, the, the, like a, a pitcher and bowl and all those things. But, but the main thing is that table and the bread. Now, what is the significance of this bread? Why is this bread so important? In the Bible, bread is one of the most powerful symbols that was used both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In fact, the Bible has a reference of over 492 times in the Bible the word bread is being used from Genesis to Revelation. We find reference to the bread 492 times. Some of it are very common that we have always used and may not have realized in the Lord's Prayer. It's talking about give us this day our daily bread. This is our prayer. That God should give us both the physical and the supernatural food for our existence. And when Moses was taking the, the children of Israel in the desert, they saw the miraculous bread come from heaven, the heaven's food that we saw even last week in Psalms 78. That, that is a bread, that is a food, that is a heavenly food that just came down from heaven. And in the Last Supper, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples the day before he was crucified, he's talking about take and eat, this is my body broken for you. And there was this one time when Jesus, not one time, actually twice, he was feeding the people, right? And he, one time he took the bread that was offered to him and he just like a fed 5,000 men out of that. The, the, the bread in, the, in so many contexts, it's talking about the bread being the word of God. In fact, what was another thing that was just like a very impressive is like a, how detailed is our God? And that's what I'm so fascinated by, how God is just like so much into details, right? We sometimes just like a pass by not realizing it. Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, Bethlehem, Laham, right, is a... Is, is, uh, uh, an explanation of that or the meaning of Bethlehem is the house of bread. Jesus came from the house of bread because he says in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Right? I am the bread which came down from heaven, says John 6.41. He knows he is the bread and he comes from a city called Bethlehem which is known as bread, house of breads. 
Today morning, we will talk about the importance and significance of the bread, but I also want to talk about the significance of the table on which this bread is kept. So first, you know, if you are taking notes, go ahead and sit back, relax, and, you know, we're going to talk today about like a four significant usage and the remembrance and the representation of this bread that we see in the Word of God. There are four very specific things that comes in the Word of God that talks about the Word of God. Amazing. So the first one, the, the, when we read about the bread, the bread, like how I said, it's been used so many times, right? The bread represents the Word of God. The Word of God and also the same, you know, applicable to, applicable to how the bread is a mighty, you know, the, the, it just talks about the mightiness of his provision, right? When Jesus went for 40 days to fast, before he began the ministry, the, the first day when he came out of it, in John, 4, I mean, Matthew 4, 4, where it's talking about Matthew 4, it's talking about how the tempter comes to tempt him, right? He takes him to the, the, the top of the mountain and he does all these things and he's asking God question after question after question. And one of the things that he says to Jesus in verse 4 is that, uh, you said you are the God? Why don't you turn the stones into bread? What was he saying? He was just like a quoting from an Old Testament, what Moses was talking about in Deuteronomy. He's talking about like a, that, that, that God has a, you know, can change uh, even a stone into a bread or, or the, the bread can come from heaven. He was just like a, making a mockery of what God has done to the children of Israel in the walk that they had for 40 years in the desert when the, the heaven poured the food. And Jesus answers him saying, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What was Jesus doing is he was actually using the, the same place from where the enemy was quoting. He was going to the same place to explain it to him. He was quoting Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. We saw last week that the whole book of Deuteronomy was written within a one-month span, right? During, this was like the farewell speech that Moses was giving to the children of Israel. Moses was at this point 120 years old, and he's about to be taken into heaven. And he was making 
the last appeal to the children of Israel. And, and the thing is that in the book of Deuteronomy, there are three messages that distinctly separate itself was preached by Moses. If you take the book of Deuteronomy, there are three major messages in that book, right? And one of those, in the, one of those messages he is talking about in chapter 8, verses 3, he says, he humbled you. Sometimes when we have all the provisions in the world, we somehow take the credit for all the blessings that we receive. And we don't really understand how magnificent is the God we serve. Right? So from time to time, when we are praying for something and it doesn't happen, not that he doesn't want us to have what we are praying for, but he wants us to ask him from that place of this humbleness. There was a period in this time when the children of Israel thought everything that they can do with their hands can produce the results. But God wants to show it to them. God wants to humble them. There are times that we go through certain failures. It's just a reminder how he is still the one sitting on the throne, controls the heavens and the earth, and that everything that we have is from him. So the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.3, he humbled you in the desert, right? Causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Manna, the meaning of the word manna is what is it? People did not know what it is. So they said, what is it? That's what manna means. Which neither you nor your ancestors had known. There was no such food that was there before that time that was equivalent to this heavenly food that they received. But then Moses says this, those, those things are good. Those are physical food that is needed. But it, that's not what God was doing to you. He, he wasn't really just like a merely giving you food. If he wants to give you food, he could have made food from the ground. He could have made a stone turn into a manna. But that's not what God was going after And Moses says, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Exact same words that Jesus quoted in Matthew 4.4 was actually told by Moses in Deuteronomy 8.3. What is the significance of all this, Cyril? Right? The significance of this, the, 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 the God is talking about here, is that physical nourishment is good. We need to have food. If only we don't have the hunger, we don't even need to go to work. We can actually live the way we are. We don't need to worry about anything. But we need that physical sustenance in our body. And so God needs to deliver us every single day with the physical food. But then, 
That's not the end. That physical nourishment is not the sufficiency for a healthy, eternal life. That's why it says man does not live on bread alone, but, from, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God has to release the blessings upon your life and my life. God has to release the blessings to say, I will bless you. I will bless you coming in. I will bless you going out. I will bless your families. I will bless and multiply your children. I will bless and multiply your children's children. That word has to be real. In this holy place, where the bread is kept, that is a constant reminder that we have to, you know, know, just like the children of Israel, that this bread is a constant reminder that the provisioner of the bread is still sitting on the throne as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. It's unbelievable. We, you know, we started this on Sunday mornings to meditate like this. And uh, uh, God is blessing, uh, you know, as, as uh, I take time to prepare, God is blessing me in, in just like knowing this word even more than what I have known before. It is, it is such a, uh, you know, humbling experience to, to let God unpack this in my own life. And I'm praying that it is unpacking some of those things for you as well when we meditate on this word. Here's what God did. The, the thing is, like, you know, people even asked me, what do you call this? Is, this a, it, is, is, it, is it a church? No. This is a place where we are reading the Word and we are meditating on the Word. In fact, after a while, I know Miss Sarah, I was talking to her. I said, like, this is a network for encouragement. That's what it is. It is a group of people who wants to encourage each other with the Word, with prayer, with the comforting words. That's what it is. It's a network of people who encourage each other, right? But here's what God has done. He's actually taking this network for encouragement to a next level. And he started off that yesterday. Because the prisons in the Carolinas are now going to telecast this message inside the prison. And in fact, we are going to do um, you know, this message twice a month inside the prison. And they're going to do this right now. I don't know whether Ms. Bennett is on this line listening to it. She is uh, an administrator head of this prison in Anson Correctional. She comes to this line. This is how God works. You know, she is just like a network to her into this line. And now she is taking this word into the prison where she is leading. Right? And the thing is this, uh, 
we are going to extend this bread into that prison twice a month. And the thing that's going to happen in that prison is this. It's going to take them two days to make sure everybody gets a chance to see it. It would take two days, right? And they're willing to do it because there is a power in the word. There is a provision in the word. There is a comfort in the word. When we, this bread that God is just like a left in that holy place, it's a continuous effort. It's not something that you would just like, you know, uh, go do it once a year, once a week. We cannot live without this bread every day in our life. And this bread we are believing when it gets shared in Anson Correctional, we won't get a chance to share in many other prisons in the Carolinas and across this nation one day. But here's the thing. This word has a power to heal. Because God's word will never return in void. This word will go and restore lives. This word will reconcile. This word will bring meaning to life. This word will bring hope. This word will come in the time of distress. This word will hold on to our hearts. Sometimes we don't even realize how God works mysteriously in our lives. That we would go through a tough time and all of a sudden there would be a word that will come to our remembrance because God has stored these words of hope in your head and my head in a place where we can actually go and draw our strength. That's why in Psalms chapter 1, when David writes, he says, in verses 2 and 3, Psalms 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, who are these blessed people? You and I are the blessed people, right? And he's talking about his delight, her delight. He's talking about your delight and my delight, right? Is in the law of the Lord. We just like love the word of God. We love how much this word means to us. We love this food that God is sharing for us. That we would delight ourselves. We would just like enjoy the reading of this word. In fact, manna was just like a wafer that tasted like it was dipped in honey. The word of God is like that. It's like a dipped in honey. When we taste him, the sweetness will just like go through our mouth. And it's like we soak that word and it just becomes so sweet, of course, that every element of our body, every cluster, every blood cell of our body. And in this law, he's talking about in Psalm 1, in this law, he meditates day and night. Sometimes, you know, we keep this word once a day in the morning. 
like an engine on a train. And we go and read this, and then we, we think that the engine can pull the whole day. But God is talking through Psalmist David that we should meditate, we should chew on this manna day and night. If you're reading the word in the morning, just chew on that word. I'm not preaching this to you, my brothers and sisters. I'm preaching this to me because I need to do this. I don't do this all the time. I just do it when I need it. And God is reminding me, saying, take this word and chew on it day and night. And he talks about what is a blessing, what is the provision when we chew on this word, on this bread, right? This manna that tastes like a honey, a wafer tastes, tastes like a honey, right? When you chew on it, and God says through King David, we will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. When the whole world will go looking for the pandemic medicine, God can keep you from getting the COVID-19 into your bodies. Why? Because you're planted by the rivers of water. The source of energy that we get is not what the world gets because there is a, a, a blood of the lamp on the doorpost of your house and my house and that COVID has no place to come into your house and my house because we are planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth, that's the first blessing. We, we may not have all the money in the world, but we have the rivers of water flowing into every cluster of our body. Then he says that second blessing, that brings forth the fruit in its season. I don't know anyone on this line who's struggling this morning for a fruit in your life. A fruit may be for you a, a generation of business. A fruit for you may be a restoration of marriage. A fruit for you may be a child. A fruit for you may be the job I do not know what your fruit, but God says, your fruit will come in a season. Whose leaf, that's the second one, the third one, whose leaf shall not wither. When Noah sent the dove out after 40 days of rain, everything else would have been completely gone, but the dove brought back uh, an olive leaf and gave it to Noah. Why is that important this morning? Olive tree is the only one that has an oil inside. That oil inside that tree kept that tree even when the rain was washing 
the whole world out of its existence, but because there was the oil inside that tree, it kept the tree from dying. People say that they can still find these olive trees in, in, in uh, the holy place even today in, in the, you know, what they think as the Garden of Gethsemane, the place based on like all the archaeological evidence. And there we still have like olive trees that are grown tall and lived over 2,000 years. And God has placed that oil in you and me to sustain against the trials and tribulations of this world. And that oil will keep you and me from falling apart and the fresh leaf will continue to grow in your life and my life when we chew the manna of vapor dipped in honey. And then finally it says, and what, whatever he does, whatever she does, shall prosper. That's a blessing for those who are chewing the word of God day and night. There was a famous missionary from Britain that served time in China. So many missionaries that are out there that served their time in third world countries like India and China. Here is one of those. Hudson Taylor is one of the missionaries, went from Britain to China. And here's what he says. I am no longer anxious about anything as I realize that he is able to carry out his will for me. It does not matter where he places me or how. That is for him to consider, not me. For in the easiest position, he will give me grace. And in the most difficult ones, his grace is sufficient. Depend on it. In another place, the same missionary is saying, right, that said, don't be anxious about anything. When you chew on the word of God, the anxiousness is not whole heart and mind and soul, just like it vanishes, just like the manna vanished from the ground. It just takes away the burdens of your heart. It brings lightness to your heart. And the, and the same missionary saying, I don't know what you're doing, but God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Amazing. Let me say this one more time. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes for the lack of funds. And he can just as easily supply them ahead of time as afterwards. And he 
much prefers doing so. What Jesus is pointing back to the enemy is this. He is saying, man does not live by the bread alone, which satisfies his physical condition, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The word of God that we have in our hands is the inspired word of God that just like has so much content that we can actually chew on it day and night and we will be able to sustain ourselves against the, the schemes of the enemy. That's number one. Number two, the primary reason why God even created us is to have the fellowship with us. He is the God of reconciliation. He is the God of restoration. And what does this bread represent is the restoring nature of God himself. When we turn to Revelation chapter 3, verses 20, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about sitting down and having a dinner with you and me. In a Jewish culture, even today, it, it's the same thing. They don't pay too much attention to the breakfast or lunch because they are in a hurry to go to work. And in the, during the day, they are in the workplace. They don't get a chance to sit as a family. But in the dinner time, they sit as a family. And they just start to talk about And they spend so much time at the dinner table talking about how the day went, right? And here, Jesus is saying in Revelation 3.20, I actually wanted to come into that dinner table with you so we can talk. I can talk and you can talk. Let's, you know, he wants to sit at the table so he can listen to the stories shared from what happened today. He wants to take time with you and me. Jesus did that. And in, in the last dinner table that he was sitting down, he spoke so much. He spoke so much the night before he was crucified in the dinner table. That was the only biggest recording that we have of the dinner table conversation that spans six to seven chapters in the book of John, just one night, what Jesus spoke is recorded in well over seven chapters in the book of John, just one night. Jesus loves to talk to you and me. Jesus is just waiting to come into your house and my house every night to have a dinner with us so we can share what is going on. He can share what he has for you and me. And the thing is this, we oftentimes just like, a, you know, make that conversation so quick because we're so hurry 
to get to work or come back from work and we only pause for a moment and just like a give God a chance and we will listen to you and me. And he wants to have this dinner with us. He is a God who wants to commune and have this intimate relationship. We are his bride, the groom. He's the bride. He wants to take us home. He wants us to be in the place where he can commune with us. And, and the two things that just like it comes out is that he is not only wanting to commune with us, he's actually inviting us to the dinner table. So many places we can go to with this thought because, uh, you know, David invites Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, to his table so he can sit and have dinner. Because in those days, people, when they sat down to have dinner, it's a time that they can just like pour their heart out. Right? And that's why psalmist is saying in Psalm 23, verses 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God is not going to prepare this table when we get to heaven. We will have a table over there, but he's over there in heaven. We are not going to have any enemies. There will be serving time in hell. So what is psalmist is talking about? What is David talking about? He's saying today, I do not know what you're going through, but psalmist is saying God is going to prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. That the enemy of us can watch us from outside what God is doing to us inside. A couple of years ago, now, uh, we, we had an event in Perry Correctional called Come to the Table. And during that night, we actually brought the mothers and fathers. We had a candlelight dinner. And uh, during that night, these men that were serving time were able to get on their knees and wash their mother's feet and they asked for forgiveness. They were telling their moms, you haven't done anything wrong for me to be here. They were putting a medicine in that heart. Many of the people on this line were there in that room when those men were washing the feet of their moms. And then they got a chance to dance with their mothers. I was watching some of these pictures this weekend. And it just like that was telling how much that dinner table was precious for these men in that facility. We had a steak dinner. Uh, I don't know what is that the steak place is called. It's called like a, you know, uh, Long John's or whatever, you know. Uh, it was like a good steakhouse. But, you know, the thing is, after they had this peaceful night of dinner with their mom, the chaplain called me for nearly 17 weeks 
After that, the men were standing outside his office in a line telling him how they are not able to sleep at night. They were restless. Over 50 men gave their life to Christ. It all began with them sitting down with their moms and their dads and their wives at the table, sharing with one another, breaking that bread that Jesus says he wants to have that with you and me in Revelation chapter 3.20. He wants to break that bread. We can reconcile with him. We're going through a Lent season, which just started this Wednesday with the Ash Wednesday. But the thing is this, the next 40 days, I'm encouraging my brothers and sisters on this line to go reconcile with people. I'm challenging me, I'm challenging you to turn the pages of our life to see if there is anything that we have done has left a scar in people's heart or mind or soul. This is a good place, good time for us to invite them to a dinner table and reconcile and restore that relationship just like what Jesus wants to do with you and me. We may have differences of opinion, but breaking of the bread will change everything. And I know this morning we've only touched on two of the four that I want to talk. So we will actually move this to next week, you know, in the first part of next week to do the three and four. But two things that I said, I'm hoping that you will be able to remember. The number one, what the bread represents to us is this. His provision, his bread represents, the word of God represents the provision not for our human physical body, but for our spiritual eternal life, which is nothing but the word of God. And the second thing that the bread reminds is fellowship, his oneness with you and me. And the thing is this, uh, you know, next week when we come back, we will talk about his presence and uh, we'll talk about something that I just like so cherish um, in, the, in, the, in the marriage supper. So I'll talk more about it in our next uh, time that we get a chance to spend. But here's the thing. He's a God of reconciliation. John 21, verses 15 to 17, after Jesus crucified and resurrected, he had like a one undone business with Peter. Peter had denied Jesus three times. Jesus could have written off Peter. Jesus could have said that, I have 8 billion more people that's coming after him. I don't really care about this one soul. Let him go to hell. No. Jesus took time to come back to reconcile with Peter. In John 21, verses 15 through 17, it says, after Jesus, you know, helped these men to find the fish, they were toiling without finding fish and he helped them. And then, when Peter saw that it was Jesus that was on the shore, he jumped on the water, he came first, and they were sitting down to have a breakfast. And Jesus said to 
Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? More than these, oh, what Jesus asking, he was asking him, do you love this fish and bread more than these, more than me? And uh, Simon says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. What is he saying? God, I made a mistake. But my love for you has never changed. Every one of us make mistakes. And God doesn't write us off. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. The one who knows what that forgiveness and grace meant can actually feed the others. And that's why Jesus says, feed my lambs. And he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The answer never changed from Peter's mouth. And he said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This morning, that's our prayer. When you take these words into your heart, when you just like a soak yourself, remember, this soaking that God is doing to you needs to be shared with people. This love that God is sharing with you is uninterrupted love that he's sharing with you needs to be shared with people. He wants to see you and me reconciled. I challenge, I'm challenging me and you this morning saying, take time to reconcile with people where we have undone businesses. Father God, I pray this morning that the words that we spoke this morning will sink deep into our hearts. Father, you are a faithful Father. Nourish us this morning, Father God. Your blood is so precious. Your, your body is so precious. Father, we want to receive them today. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray for everyone on this line this morning that if there is any undone businesses that we have done wrong, if we haven't been on the right side of the wrong, God, I pray that you will forgive us first. Heal us first. Since morning, this is, uh, I'm getting off of my prayer. Since morning, God has been talking to me about submission. God is talking to me about surrender. I do not know if there is anyone on this line. If this message is for anyone on the line or, or, or is it just for me, I don't know. But God is saying, whatever you are fighting for, God is saying, don't fight. Surrender them to me. Surrender that burden to me. Don't fight that anymore. I'm the king of salvation. I'm the king of restoration. I'm the king of reconciliation. Praise the Lord. Brother Wins.
Thank you, Cyril. Thank you for the message from your heart, from God's heart. It's uh, bringing us to the table of the show bread. As you said, this, what's the significance of this bread? And thank you for bringing this up from the history of 492 times it's referenced in the Old and New Testament, our daily bread, what we need every single day, not when we feel like it, because God's our creator. He knows us better than anyone and what we need to sustain life, not just physical life, our spiritual life. What does it represent? It just doesn't represent what's needed for us physically, but what's spiritual. He's our provision. He's our all. He's our everything. And that's that's what he's trying to tell. He's everything we need and nothing else. He wants to show us that he is in control of everything, and he still sits on the throne. This, this bread is a constant reminder that he's the provisioner that still sits on the throne that he can provide every single need when the storm hits and we all will go through those storms. Is it a disease? Is it a diagnosis from a doctor? Is it rent not being able to be paid? Is it a relationship or marriage? He is the provider. He is the provision that we must go to every single moment. His word does not return void. He will not disappoint. And what happens when we chew and eat of this bread? It'll bring forth fruit in every single aspect of our life. He is also the God of rest, restoration, the God of our fellowship. This bread restores and sustains life because he is the God of restoration and reconciliation. He wants to talk to us every day. He wants us to come to the table so we can share what we have for you and me. When we get in a hurry, we're wrapped up what we think is important on this earth. He knows us better than anyone. So, he's waiting for us at the table, day and night, and he is patient. Will you come? Will you come to the table? I close with the, I close with the last saying from Cyril. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. I'll say it one more time. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Amen. Amen. Sarah.